Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have a follow-up on the word despumate, some follow-up answers to apostrophe questions, and a meaty middle about words that are spelled the same but sound different like invalid and invalid. I got an interesting comment from a listener named Louie. He says that the familect word in episode 683, despumate, rang a bell for him. Here's a brief recap of the story from Bruce Zuckerman. And we have a word we use in the kitchen all the time. The verb is despumate. And something that needs to despumate on the stove means it needs to sit and cook longer than in order to, to get better. A classic example uh, of food that needs to be made is something that you cook like a soup or a stew, then you put it in the refrigerator overnight, and then you reheat it. It needed to despumate in order to be, taste better than it did the first time. Bruce said he didn't know where the word came from. But Louis said, quote, It made me think of the Spanish word espuma for foam or scum. This prompted me to look it up in, what do you know, an archaic verb to remove scum, unquote. Now, I'm not suggesting that Bruce's soups are scum, but when I cook soup for a long time, like turkey soup after Thanksgiving, I end up repeatedly removing something that looks a lot like foamy scum from the top. And when I put something like gravy in the refrigerator overnight, I often scrape the solidified fat off the top. So it does seem like maybe it's possible that someone in Bruce's family was aware of the word espuma, either consciously or unconsciously. And it's not just in Spanish, either. Spum, S-P-U-M-E, is an English word that means foam. And it's from Latin, Old French, and cognate with a word in Old High German. Etymology Online says the same root gives us the name for spumante, a type of sparkling white wine like Asti Spumante, and the name for spumoni ice cream. Those both came to English through Italian. I don't think of spumoni ice cream as especially foamy, but one source does say that the ice cream in the layers is often mixed with whipped cream, so maybe it is. I've probably only had it twice in my whole life. So I thought that was pretty cool. What Bruce viewed as a completely made-up family word, despumate, 
may have subconscious roots in existing words that at least partly make sense with how you scrape off the bad parts, maybe the foamy parts when you cook something like soup or stew for a long time. Thanks, Louie. Next, a few people asked follow-up questions to the last two episodes we did on apostrophes. And I know that when one person has a question, many others do too. First, Irene asked whether she needs to use apostrophes to make the days of the week or family names plural. For example, if she's writing that they had meetings four Mondays in a row, or she's going to the baker's house, does she need apostrophes? And the answer is no. The only time you use apostrophes to make things plural is when you're writing about single letters, like A's, B's, and C's. If you're writing about four Mondays in a row, that's just plural, Monday with an S at the end. And if you're going to the house of Juan and Maria Baker, they are the Bakers, plural, with an S and no apostrophe. But if you're then making Bakers possessive, the house of two Bakers, then you add an apostrophe after the final S. It's the Baker's house, B-A-K-E-R-S apostrophe. That's how you make the possessive form of a plural that ends in S. Just add an apostrophe at the end. The bushes' berries, the foxes' whiskers, and the buddies' plans. Those are all plural and possessive. Bushes, foxes, and buddies are all plural. And you make them possessive by adding a lone apostrophe to the end. And that takes us to another question from Jay. In one of the past podcasts, I said I wished I had had a camera when I saw the sign that read Laddie's Night instead of Ladies' Night. And Jay rightly said that I didn't explain how to properly write Ladies' Night. Well, it's just like those foxes' whiskers. Ladies is plural and ends with an S. L-A-D-I-E-S. So you make it possessive by adding a lone apostrophe to the end. The Night of the Ladies is ladies, L-A-D-I-E-S, apostrophe, night. Thanks for the questions. One of our listeners named Greg wrote in recently with a question. He wanted to know if there's a term for words that change their definition when their syllable emphasis changes. He mentioned the word invalid as an example. According to Merriam-Webster, the word means being without foundation in fact or truth when you stress the second syllable, as in invalid. But it means one that's sickly or disabled when you stress the first syllable, as in invalid. Good question, Greg. There is a term for words that are spelled the same but have different meanings. They're called homographs. The homo root means same, and the graph root means right. And as Greg pointed out, some homographs are pronounced differently, like wind, the movement of air, and wind to coil something like a string around another object. Others are pronounced the same, like odd meaning strange, and odd meaning a number that can't be divided evenly by two. Wouldn't it be easier for everyone if we just had separate words for totally separate concepts? Here's why we don't. Some homographs have different etymologies. For example, the verb match comes from an Old English word that means equal or mate, whereas the noun match comes from a Greek word that meant lampwick, mixa, 
And the word mixa, in turn, was originally mucus, based on the notion of a wick dangling from the spout of a lamp, like snot from a nostril. I bet you never thought that word etymology could be so disgusting. Another example is the word compact. The noun compact, meaning an agreement, comes from the Latin word cumpagesi, meaning to covenant together. The past tense of this verb was compactum. In contrast, the verb to compact, meaning to press tightly together, comes from the Latin verb cumpingere, which has the same meaning, and the past tense of that verb was compactus. Even some words that seem similar can have different origins. For example, think of the noun bow, as in bow and arrow, and the verb bow, meaning to bend over. Both of these words suggest objects that have a curved shape. But the noun bow comes from the Old English word boga, meaning an archery bow, whereas the verb bow comes from the Old English word bougan, meaning to bend. There's another reason two words that are spelled the same can have different sounds and meanings. It's because English is what's called a stress-based language. In this kind of language, the meaning of words can change significantly depending on what syllable in the word we stress. For example, compare the word minute with minute. These two words are spelled exactly the same but have different meanings. Same thing with project and project. Stress-based languages have some predictable rules. For example, in two-syllable words, nouns and adjectives usually have the first syllable stressed. Think of the words picture, table, and flower, for example. In contrast, two-syllable words that are verbs usually have the second syllable stressed. Think of provide, compose, or conduct. Our ability to create different meanings by stressing different syllables means that English has tons of homographs. Think of object versus object, present versus present, import versus import, suspect versus suspect. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. Not all languages work this way. In contrast to stress-based languages like English, there are syllable-timed languages. In those languages, every syllable in a word has about the same stress. You can hear this distinction if you compare the word for library in English versus Spanish. In English, we say library, stretching out the I sound and saying it more clearly than the brary part. Library. Library. The same word in Spanish is biblioteca. Each syllable in that word gets about the same emphasis, biblioteca. Another example is the word for trash. In English, we say garbage, emphasis on the gar and hardly saying the a uh sound in badge at all. When we swallow a midword vowel like that, by the way, it's called a schwa. In contrast, the Spanish word for garbage is basura. We pronounce each vowel sound in that word clearly, basura. None of them are swallowed. I'll say one final thing about homographs. Occasionally, they're created almost accidentally when we conjugate verbs. Think of the words sewer, meaning a drain pipe, and sower, meaning one who sows. The words aren't related at all. They just happen to be spelled the same because we add the suffix er to describe someone who does an action. 
We see the same thing with batter, meaning a mixture of two or more ingredients, and batter meaning one who swings a bat. So to sum up, homographs are words that have different meanings but are spelled the same. They may or may not have different origins and different pronunciations. Thanks again for the question, Greg. That segment was written by Samantha Anslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me at the home of my podcast network, quickanddirtytips.com. While you're there, check out the latest episode from our new show, Relationship Doctor, three ways to save your relationship from technology. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. It's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically, it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.